I wanted to offer you some suggestions for your plan, both leading up to your Thanksgiving dinner and your Christmas get-together and New Year's, all of that, uh, both before and after. So I want to just remind you to avoid the self-blame, the criticism, the condemnation. That never comes from God. It's always from the enemy. Don't let yourself ruminate on what you could or should have done, what you may or may not have done. Don't think about how deeply you're afraid of loneliness or life without that abuser or how many times you've already gone back or whatever damage has already been done. Don't don't get sucked into that in your head. All of that is negative thinking and it simply perpetuates the cycle. So use the anxiety checklist on my website and and distract yourself. That's the principles there are in Philippians chapter 4. Depending on the severity of the situation and how deeply anxious you might be about it, please consider cutting off contact, even just temporarily, or at least limiting it. Limit the contact. Do you really have to stay with them in their home? Can you maybe get a, a stay at a friend's house or get a hotel room or something like that? Do you really have to be underfoot with these people all the time for days on end? Can you limit the amount of time that you're going to be at the dinner? Can you limit the amount of time you're going to be exposed and expending energy on trying to just navigate the situations and the conversations and the anxiety and the fear and the, all of that? I know it's kind of late because it's next week, but in this time between now and Thanksgiving, explore the things that fuel the bond that you have with your abuser. Work on setting boundaries, work on even just considering what the boundaries should be, making that plan for boundaries. Learn some skills for building healthy relationships, what healthy relationships look like. We They don't include abuse for sure. And let me just go back and reiterate those, those signs of abuse, yelling, name calling, insults or ridicule, attempting to make you question your sanity or gaslighting, invading your privacy, punishing you for not doing what they want, trying to control you or your life, isolating you from family and friends, making subtle or overt threats. Now, a lot of times the people that we're relating with are themselves wounded, but that doesn't mean you have to be an a victim of that, it doesn't mean you have to be subject to it. You guard your peace. You protect your peace. They're going to do what they're going to do, but don't enable it and don't enable abuse. And you don't have to be a part of it or, or subject to it. If you're in therapy or spiritual direction, see if you can get an appointment with that person before the holidays begin or meet with them more often throughout the season, but reach out for support. If you need more support, seek it. There's nothing wrong with that, especially if you have a trauma bond or there is abuse in these relationships. If it's severe, if you have PTSD, you might need a professional that actually works in PTSD or complex PTSD and the after effects of abuse. They are trauma-informed therapists and they can help in those more severe cases where you're going to need more support. You're going to need more tools. But for most of us, it's not actually a, a physically dangerous situation. It's just something we don't want to be involved in anymore. We want to actually learn to protect our peace. We want to learn to protect our emotional energy, our intellectual energy, our spiritual energy, our physical energy. We only have so much of it. What are your priorities? Your priorities are God first, your vocation second, and everything else and everyone else after that. So spend your time and your energy in that order. 
Another tool is physical activity. Exercise more. If you do nothing but walk, it's going to help you sleep better. It's going to help keep you sharper in your thinking. It's going to reduce your depression. Get moving physically because besides gratitude, the only other thing that we know through studies, evidence-based studies, that is shown to increase your baseline happiness is gratitude and exercise. And I'm speaking in terms of permanently because drugs and alcohol and other self-medication, that can do it temporarily, but it's not going to do it long term. And that's really what we need. Socialize in ways that feel safe and nurturing. Social isolation can happen really, really slowly to the point that you don't even notice it, especially if you're depressed. And friends can really help you heal. People who love you can help you heal. Doesn't mean you have to tell them all about your problems unless you want to, but just enjoying the company of other people and feeling accepted in those relationships that you do feel accepted can be enough to just boost your spirits. So call an old friend that you haven't spoken to in a long time just to talk to them. Invite a friend to the movies or out for dinner or lunch or coffee. Accept an invitation, even if your instinct is to stay home. Join a class or a club to meet new people. Go to church and join something there. But choose situations and people that are nurturing, that don't suck the peace out of you, that don't suck the energy out of you. This one can be especially hard during holiday seasons, but mind your diet. Emotional abuse wreaks havoc havoc with our diets and our choices in what we eat and what we drink, especially over the holidays where everything is, I mean, there's lots of stuff everywhere. It's a, a feast, both in eating and drinking. So we either eat too little because we're scared or we eat too much because we're stuffing or all of that. And we tend to eat the wrong things. So before and after and during as much as you can, you want to keep your energy level up. You want to minimize mood swings caused by sugar and alcohol and those kinds of things. So eat fruits, vegetables, and protein. Several well-balanced meals or a, a bunch of little ones throughout the day. That's typically how I eat. Don't binge. Don't skip meals. You need to be really careful about eating carefully and minding your diet. You know alcohol and sugar are going to just send you crashing at some point. So limit that. Limit the sugar, the fi- the fried and the really processed foods. Try to fuel your body with what is good. And that leads to the next one. Be sure to rest. Make rest a priority. If you're tired, if you're strung out, if your great expectations have led to too much activity, too much of everything, you need to work on promoting a good night's sleep. You need to get in the bed at the same time each night and get up at the same time each morning. Make it your goal to sleep at least seven hours a night. Do something relaxing in the hour before bedtime. Don't look at your screen because that's been shown to keep your brain active longer than it should. You need a routine for winding down in the evenings. Remove those electronic devices from your bedroom. If you need to, get room darkening window shades. I have them. I love them. My parents, you know, they always ask me, why do you have those shades? I'm like, because I need it to be dark. I want it to be dark in here. I don't want to be awakened at 5 a.m. by the sunrise if I'm not ready to wake up. You can ease stress with relaxation techniques, some of which are on the anxiety checklist, but music, um, essential oils or other aromatherapy, deep breathing, healing hands, prayer, art, hobbies, and that leads into the next important thing for the inner child. When your inner child is in distress, oftentimes that poor child was never allowed to play. She was too afraid. 
she was not allowed. She was too controlled. And even for someone like me who had a lot of time to play, and I think that's part of why I emerged from childhood relatively healthy emotionally, I had real, really big issues and real problems, but I had a lot of time to play and play helps develop us. It helps grow us. We need it. Even as adults, we need it. So if you are one of those people who is constantly driving yourself, you probably need to play. And chances are you don't even know what that looks like for yourself. You don't know what you like. You don't know what your hobbies are. You don't know what you're good at. You don't know what your spiritual gifts are because you're so busy trying to please other people and earn their acceptance and earn their love and live up to an expectation that you yourself have arbitrarily put in place, that you're resentful, you're bitter, you're angry, you're exhausted, and you're, you got nothing left mentally. So go back to the first principles, go back to to childhood. We'll talk about this more in further shows, but play is so important. Maybe you like the idea of a massage, or maybe you like the idea of a makeover or a new purse, or, you know, don't go overboard and and go to excess in self-medication, but allow yourself to do some things that are nurturing, Maybe you want to volunteer. Maybe that seems counterintuitive, but sometimes volunteering can help ease stress and anger and depression, particularly because it gets us outside of ourselves and we're not we're not interiorly focused to the exclusion of other people. That's actually when when we are too interiorly focused, that's when we're experiencing depression because we're, you know, we're constantly in that sometimes they call it navel gazing. And what I'm talking about here in looking at trauma and abuse and and our inner child. I'm not talking about navel gazing to the point where you exclude charity and serving other people because that definitely helps get us outside ourselves. But if you're going to do that, make sure that it's in a situation or a venue that is almost completely outside of your normal life. So I used to teach Bible studies at nursing homes. Um, You can do something like that for a jail. You can go to a food kitchen. There are lots and lots of ways, St. Vincent de Paul, lots of things at church that you can volunteer in. And those help us get outside of ourselves so that we're not anxious and avoiding social situations and depressed and fearful and all of that. So those are a few tools. I mean, they're they're you've heard these things for your whole life, mostly, and you certainly do not need my permission. But if you do, I'm telling you, it's you don't just have permission. It is your obligation to take care of that inner child and start to give her what she needs because she's in distress because you haven't done that for so long. She needs you to give her the attention that she needed when she was little and still needs. And if you need help with that, I am certainly available. You can call me for a one-on-one consultation. But if you need help with that, do it. If you continue to try that exercise and it you, you just come up against a block, there prom- probably is some trauma and you probably do need help kind of working through all of that stuff. So a therapist, a trauma therapist, a spiritual director, They're not usually equipped in those kinds of therapies, in those trauma therapies, but sometimes they are. A good Catholic one, though, because you want to bring your faith to bear and marinate in the sacraments and in your devotional disciplines so long as they're helpful. That's a whole nother issue when your spiritual disciplines are destructive rather than helpful. But that's for another time. So here are a few tools for you 
both before and after the holiday season that can help keep you balanced and help keep you in your right mind so that you can live in peace, even in this season that is potentially loaded with landmines.